Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two HQ.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. We are doing a whole grab bag episode of friendship topics, specifically a friendship grab bag, specifically. And inspired, I would say, in large part by someone who ran a truly wonderful friendship-themed classified ad in our newsletter. Oh my Um, gosh. And who, much to our delight and a little bit to our surprise, agreed to come on the podcast to talk about it. So thrilled about it. So we're going to talk with Katie Seaver, who ran a classified ad with a Google Doc titled Wanted a Deep Plus Meaningful Friendship in Northeast Los Angeles. And then we're going to talk about intergenerational friendships and group chats. What fun. I have to say, our next guest was, we had kind of a lot of requests for this guest. We had multiple, yes, multiple, multiple or at least multiple follow-ups of people being like, but what's happening? I need to know more. This was an in-demand guest. Our guest for today's episode, for the first part of today's friendship episode, is Katie Seaver. Katie placed a classified ad in our Monday newsletter. And it was, uh, will you tell us, what was what was your classified ad for, Katie? I was looking for a deep and meaningful friendship in Northeast Los Angeles. And how did you approach this hunt? <laughs> I wrote a six-page Google document describing... It was amazing. <laughs> it was like... long in retrospect. <laughs> Uh, but I wrote a six page Google doc where I described like who I was, what I was looking for in a friendship, who they might be and sort of like how to contact me. And then I, I took out a classified ad in your guys's newsletter advertising it. So the thing about it is that the premise of it sounds a little crazy, but your Google doc was so like rational and not at all crazy that I think that was like what what grabbed people about it. You like click through and you're like, oh, Lord, what's this going to be? And then you're like, wow, this is like so grounded. You're like, no, I want to be reasonable. friends with this person. Yeah. <laughs> and you also made it very clear that if the thought of this document was not for someone, they probably weren't the friend for you. Like that wasn't the answer to the question. No hard feelings, no harm, no foul. Like if this isn't landing for you, then probably our friendship wouldn't either. 
Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is weird that I did this, but also that's fine. So I just decided that somebody, I just had to believe that the people who would think it was cool might think it was like a little crazy, but they would also be like on board. Yeah, totally. It's a really inspiring approach, like not just to friendship, but to life. Like I loved the confidence. I loved the the intention behind it. I loved like just how well you know yourself. There's so much in the document that's like, this is a self-possessed woman. You wrote, yes, I recognize that this is a kind of intense thing to be looking for and a kind of wild way to look for it. But I've decided to believe that my future friend is out there and they're going to be thrilled when they read this. I love it. I just feel like this is the start of a novel. Like that can be the opening (laughs) line, uh, you know, like of a novel. I'm, yeah, it thrills me. Um, Can can we read another passage that felt very, very key? Please, please. (laughs) I'd love it if we could both be as honest as we could in this process. Even if we do email, chat, or hang out, you might decide at any point, like you're no longer interested in cultivating the friendship. Or I might feel that way. I think the kindest thing would be to name that. Yes, it would sting. But also, both of us are busy. Both of us want a friendship where the other person would cherish us. So let's be kind by being honest. Let's allow the other person to move on to a friendship where they can be cherished. It's just so wonderful. I mean, I if people got a tattoo that said, let's be kind by being honest after hearing this, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> it's just like so, so good. So rich, Katie. I'm so touched. I really appreciate it. And, but it feels like also like, like looking for friendship should be that intentional. Nobody has a lot of time. And I actually had someone who we had a conversation and she was like, you know, I actually think I'm just like not in a place in my life where I can really pursue this with you. And, and you had written that. And I was like, thank you so much. So it did. (laughs) People took me up on it. (laughs) So what, yeah. So talk to us about that. What, what was the, what was the process like? What made you run the ad to begin with? What made you be like, okay, this is what, how the approach I'm going to take. So I had been doing some reflection and I had realized I moved to LA a couple of years ago. I'm originally from LA, but had been gone for over a decade. And I realized like I had a bunch of friends who lived kind of all over the country, but I didn't have that many friends in LA. And I had made a couple, but I was just sort of realizing more and more as time went on that a lot of my deepest friendships I may never live in the same place as them again. And there's a real importance, I think, in having somebody who can actually see and take a walk with and sit on your floor and eat chips with. So that was happening. And then simultaneously, I had had some experiences, both in some new friendships and an old friendship, where I had shown up in in a way that I would have wanted a friend to show up for me, like sort of naming something about what they were saying that that was sort of like, oh, it sounds like you're upset about this, or it sounds like this is bothering you. And it like super touched a nerve. Like I didn't feel like I was like overly probing. I felt like it was like a big boulder just like standing in our road. And I was just like, hello, here's this boulder that's upsetting you. And it like, it was not the right thing to have done. And I'm a, I'm a life coach by profession. So I am like in the business of picking up on really subtle cues about people, but I don't do that in friendships because nobody wants that in a friendship. It felt like it was big pieces and it was not like the most welcome, I would say. And I was talking to my husband about it afterwards. And he was like, Katie, you forget that like, not everyone is like you, like not Mm -hmm. everyone wants to talk about sort of what is closest to their heart or what's bothering them in the moment or what their deepest values are. And that's totally fine. And also it's totally fine to not want to talk about certain things, but it just felt like, oh, I have been developing in certain ways, both because of my profession and just personal interests as well, that maybe just aren't in tune with everybody. So there's like a real yearning for depth that I'm in. Like if I'm with you, I want to know like 
what's on your heart and what do you value and like all these things. And like, just, that's not for totally reasonable reasons, what everyone wants. So it was both like, I wanted a couple more friends, but I had some friends in LA and I wanted like a very, very specific kind of friendship. And I was like, what would be the most direct way to find this very specific kind of friendship? And I was just like, well, maybe I'll just make a classified ad. That was the plan. Did you tell your other friends that you were doing it? I didn't because I sort of felt like maybe it would like I have I have told some friends about it I sort of had a fear that like maybe people would sort of feel like I didn't value them enough or certain kinds of things like that but I have told some friends like some friends who I deeply value I guess everyone's gonna know now um (laughs) which is fine um but yeah I didn't it's tricky right like I think it's really important to like appreciate friends for what they are and different kinds of people are going to connect with you in different kinds of ways and person could be an activity partner or you talk about politics with this person, but there was like a very specific kind of friendship that I most craved. Um, and I knew it was possible because I had certain friendships like that. And like my relationship with my husband is so like that. He's so deep and thoughtful. I just, I wanted just that, not just a friendship, but a very specific kind. In your document, you also define what a deep and meaningful friendship is, which again, this document, like I can't (laughs) wait for people to read this who haven't read it already. Can you explain how you would define that kind of relationship that you were seeking? Yeah. So I have three criteria, if I'm remembering (laughs) correctly. So the first one was this like depth. Um, I have found as time goes on, like I'm often especially in older friendships, like the person who is the, I don't know, the quote unquote deep one, not, I mean, I have so many flaws, so I don't say that, but like, I'm sort of deeply interested in them and knowing them and what are they up to and tell me like, sort you're of the one you're like feeling. probing, not like probing, but just sort of like people feel, say that they feel that they can like tell me anything or they okay. feel very seen by me and their complexity. And like, again, like, I think there's a professional relationship with being a coach here, though. I don't like bring all that, but I think I'm diff- interested in myself and I, just pick up on lots of subtle things about people. And I'm interested in sort of like, what is my meaning in life and those kinds of questions. So I just like, was like, well, if I'm building a relationship from a seed, I want to sort of be with somebody who's going to like be super interested in those kinds of questions. Not that that's all I do. Like I also watch reality TV, all sorts of dumb things, but like that is an interest of mine for sure. There's that. There's also like an intentionality to building a relationship that felt really important. I've have built some new friendships, like as a woman in her, especially like thirties. And what I found is that like a lot of people, you could have like this amazing conversation and feel a real connection with someone. And the relationship may never become a friendship unless there's consistency there. And that most people either by inclination or time, or they're just not intentional about it, it will never become a friendship. So you need both like the person who, who feels interesting and exciting, but you also need someone who's actually just going to like text you to hang out with you on a regular basis. And either of those could exist, but you need the coexistence of them, which is not the most common thing. Shasta Nelson, who's a woman who writes about friendship, she has some really great books on the topic. She literally says, like, those are her two axes of friendship development. She calls it intimacy and consistency. And you can have either one, but if you don't have both, it will just never develop. So I knew I had to have both, and that's those were really big for me. And then I also, the third criteria was I needed them to be in person. I just think there's so much beauty in long-distance friendships, and I have a number of them and do treasure them, but I think 
there's something very different with being able to see somebody in person on a regular basis and they can be in your lives in a different way. And the interesting thing is like in LA, I actually needed them to live in a very specific part of LA because LA is so big. That's LA. Venice, yeah. yeah <laughs> if they live in Venice Beach, I'm never going to see them or it'll be so exhausting that it won't be worth it. So it was those three criteria, the sort of depth, the consistency and the, the location. But then there were certain things, certain other parameters too, like or, or lack of parameters. Like you were like, we don't have to have the same political views, which in like I think would have stopped me in my tracks regardless. But in 2021 was a little like amazing because it does feel like in 2021, the only people we are intimate with who do not share our political views are our family members. And that like beyond that, it's like we have to like be aligned and, and, and other anybody else you're just kind of tolerating because there's there's a blood relation or, or, or something. Yeah. And that, I mean, everybody is so different, right? But that's like a personal pet peeve of mine in 2021. Mm -hmm. I'm like, especially like, even just like people who we might vote for the same candidate, but be slightly different on. Mm -hmm. It sometimes feels like even that's not. It's like, it has to be so narrow. (laughs) It's like, oh, we have have to vote the same way on every ballot measure. We can't be friends. (laughs) We have like different opinions on immigration policy and like, oh no, like you're a bad person if you feel that way. And so, I mean, that's just an indication of like my own personal political beliefs. That's sort of just a personal thing that doesn't make sense to me. So I felt like, yeah. Thank you so much to How to Do the Pot for sponsoring today's episode. So something you and I have been talking about recently is that now that uh, weed is legal or being legalized in New York, when the dispensaries come for us, when like my <laughs> my like my dream dispensary in our neighborhood Bud Stye opens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we want to be able to walk in to shiny new Bud Stye and know what we want and be able to like asking questions and have like just a sense of like what is out there. Um, we don't want to feel like unsavvy shoppers, you know, right? it's and not our vibe. Not, it's not our vibe. We are educated consumers. We pride ourselves on this. So we want to be able to be really educated consumers walking into Bud Stye, Bed Stye's premier dispensary. Exactly. And, Thank you. <laughs> and I got to say, listening to How to Do the Pot is making me feel like I am ready to go in there. I will not be taken advantage of. I will know what I want. <laughs> this podcast is so wonderful. It I didn't even know I needed it, but it answers all the things about cannabis. Three out of four women in the United States now have access to legal weed, which is really surprising. It was a statistic I would not have guessed, but so many women still have a lot of questions. How to Do the Pot podcast is demystifying cannabis for women. Every week, they release short, fun episodes that answer all the questions women secretly Google about cannabis. How to Do the Pot shares women's personal stories and advice from experts to help with solutions around stress, sleep, sex, and chronic pain, with the goal of helping women feel more confident in their choices about cannabis. If you're ready for practical advice about weed, by women, for women, listen to How to Do the Pot wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to Olive and June for sponsoring today's episode. I was having a conversation with a friend recently who was like, I just find manicure so calm and relaxing. And I was like, you do? Like, I don't <laughs> at all. I just really, like, I just feel like I sit there the entire time watching someone paint mm-hmm. my nails and being like, that wasn't a good one. Like, that's right. like, whatever. And 20 minutes later, you're on the subway and you're like, oh, wait, did I just like knock my hand against my bag? And did I just mm-hmm. like chip my nail or smudge it or like whatever? And I don't have that nail polish at home. And I also like, how am I even supposed to figure out how to feel good about what nail salons I'm going to? Because that's like a whole thing, both mm-hmm. in terms of hygiene and how workers are being treated and all of that. And I've just really gotten to this place where I'm like, you know what? 
I like to do this myself at home. And then the only person I can be mad at is me. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I do think that salon manicures are especially stressful for any control freak micromanager Mm. types. I, Mm, I was getting a pedicure and I was on the phone with a friend and I stopped and I was like, hold on one second. I said, I like them really short and round. And she goes to me, I've heard you say that like 5,000 times in my life because we've gone to the salon so much together. She was like, I just like know that line from you so much. And you know what, Erica, you're right. I would just be better off doing it myself. A hundred percent. Just do it yourself. And that's the trick with the Olive and June Manny system. That is like the sell here. With the Olive and June Manny system, I will say I feel so much more confident doing it myself. And especially with manicures, like I'm just like, why would I go to the salon? I do feel so confident in making it look as good as they make it look at the salon. It lasts over a week and I can make them as round and short as I want them. It's also 20% off this entire Manny system if you use the code of thing or two at oliveandjune.com. What you're going to get with a manicure system is all the tools you need for the five-step manicure in one box, which includes the poppy, which you've obviously heard us talk about a million times because we cannot believe this thing didn't exist until recently. It's this patented brush handle that you put right on top of the nail polish bottle. It makes it so much easier to paint nails, period, but also to paint with both of your hands, which like you all know that- You have to do if you're doing your own nails. Well, and you always have the one hand that looks screwed up because like you're like, this is hard to do and the poppy makes it so much easier. The Manny system with six polishes breaks down to $2 per Manny, which is insane when you think about how much you would spend at the salon, especially if you were doing something like a gel manicure. In addition to the system, Olive and June is known for having these amazing polishes. They last over a week. They simply do not chip. It's just a truly wonderful, wonderful product. Your new nail life is here. The Olive and June Nanny System is the secret behind Salon Perfect Nails at home, all in one, no guessing, no messy nails, no salon price tag. Get 20% off your first Manny system when you use the promo code a thing or two at oliveandjune.com. That's 20% off the first Manny system when you use promo code a thing or two at oliveandjune.com. The polishes are great, they're incredible. We highly encourage you to try them, but the system is like what makes this thing like. Truly incredible. You want the whole thing. You want because that's what makes it all last so long because you used all the tools, you've done it the proper way. We are done with expensive bad manis. This is the new us now, okay? Hi, I'm Allie Webb, the founder of Dry Bar. Hey, I'm Adrian Kayla, the founder of Take New Ground. Previously on Raising the Bar, Michael and I learned how founders moved from idea to scale. In this new season, we'll be exploring the inner world of an entrepreneur, the juicy stuff. Suing a vision brings up fear and personal challenges, the stuff that nobody likes to talk about. So we dive into what it takes to overcome the obstacles that make most people quit. This is a study on perseverance. Adrian is a coach for select executives. I love his brilliant mind and deep love for people, including me. So if you're starting a business and already want out, tune in. You might not be as alone as you think. Something that you called out that I loved was that you said, I'm not a texter and like put that out there right away. And I have a friend who just started dating a new guy and he had said like had the same experience of being like, I need to make it clear to him that I am not going to go back and forth like all damn day on text. That's just not who I am. Why, what did, what made you feel like you wanted to put it out on the table? You know, the same thing. I have a couple of old friends who are huge texters Uh and it's very clear to me that I text with them a bit, but it's very clear to me that there are other relationships in which they are just texting all day. And mm-hmm. it's a tr- thrill to catch up with them when I'm able to, but I don't want to be texting all day. And that's a big part of, I'm, I'm super on like a personal professional level interested in like being intentional about how I relate to technology. And I talk to my clients about that a lot. And I just, 
me texting all day is, is doesn't help my happiness and energy levels and all those things. So I just don't want to start a friendship with somebody who needs that. And then they're disappointed. Yeah. So what was the response like when you put out the classified? You know, it's funny. I actually, I got way more emails than I expected. I love that. Also, just because like, I wanted you to get your money's worth out of what we were, you know, the service we were providing. I'd hate if you, I'd hate to feel like, you know. As a business person, Clara feels satisfied. Exactly. I want to make sure the customer service is strong. You know, it's so funny because even just the fact that I spent money on it, I was like, oh, I guess I'm spending some money on this. And I was like, oh no, it's totally worth it. Because, you know, it's like $200 for a classified. I was like, there's nothing more worth that than a friendship. Like, how could this possibly not be worth it? So yeah, I feel so confident that it was money well spent regardless of how it turned out. But (laughs) the biggest quantity of emails was just from people who were just like totally thrilled to to be watching this experience. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, people were like, please write a book. I was like, I haven't (laughs) done anything yet. All I did was write a Google (laughs) Doc. And people were like, please make a TV show. And then there was another group of spectators who like, like, I think this just really landed with them. Like they were like, oh, this really speaks to me. This speaks to like what I have been struggling with or what I've been yearning for. Some people like asked if they could use the text and maybe write their own classified ads. And I was like, yes, why not? Poor papa. Um, (laughs) So there was like a real, and it's like, yeah, if I lived in Montana or Houston, like there were people waiting for me. And I was like, man, that would have been like, because I had a pretty narrow geographical range. And obviously you guys are not like, Northeast LA specific. I just sort of picked it because I, I like your newsletter and I thought (laughs) somebody else who liked it might be a good friend candidate. So yeah, a big group of people like that. And then there were also, and I sort of, I think it's okay to say this, but like there were, there were also people who did live in the geographic area who wrote to me, but it wasn't the right fit from my Mm -hmm. perspective. And that was mostly just because like I wrote a six page Google document that had so many details in it. And like, I literally even gave them prompts of things they could tell me in their email. And so if people write to me with like a kind of short surface level email where they're like, Hey, I could use a friend. I also like baked goods, which is something that I like and wrote about. I'm just sort of like, you sound like a super lovely person. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. It's just I'm not just looking for a friend. I'm actually looking for like a super specific type of friend. And your email doesn't demonstrate to me that you like comprehended that. You didn't complete the assignment. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I'm sort of like, these people might be listening and they are probably super lovely. It's just sort of like, it's literally called a deep and meaningful friendship. And I wrote six pages and like, I need you to not just send me like a two sentence email because like, the, the, my sort of energetic sense of reciprocity feels that there's not like a, a thing there. You just needed a couple paragraphs to like kick things off to, yeah, to plant the seed or like something that felt like someone was giving something of themselves to, um, and opening up and sharing. Yeah. There was so much of me in that Google doc. So (laughs) I just wanted to get a little bit of them too. So yeah, so there was that. And then there were some people who I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. So like I had some zoom calls with those folks. You're married and obviously I don't know anything about, you know, your relationship, but is this an approach you took to dating too? Like, were you this deliberate around that? You know, the funny thing is that I wasn't, but my husband was. Okay. And, and so he was very like, like literally his philosophy, which he would say now was like, I want to frighten most people away so that the (laughs) right person (laughs) will know. And like, my husband is incredible 
incredible, like truly top tier human being, such a good fit for me. And I'm like, why wouldn't everyone just want to marry him? But he's like, you know, I get it. <laughs> um, and, and it's a funny sort of side note, like on our first call, literally the first thing he said to me after we said hello was like, okay, so what's important to you in life? Which is like, intense. I think we can all agree. There were no pleasantries exchanged. Yes. So I think I was like, I didn't want to be quite that intense, but I think I did want to like, I I do want to kind of scare all the the people who like just didn't want that away because I was looking for something so specific in terms of what I was up to. This is making me think that there should be like a friendship matchmaking service or something. You know what I mean? Well, um, I think there, I kind of, especially just based on the response we saw to this, it makes me, I think there will be. And especially post pandemic, Bumble did try it for a minute. I think that oh, they, right. I don't think it exists anymore, but they had launched both Bumble and maybe they do exist. And I'm sorry to Bumble's PR people, but I know at some <laughs> point they'd launched Bumble Biz, which was about finding like yeah, yeah, yeah. business partners and jobs and stuff. And they'd also launched like, I think maybe it was called Bumble, Bumble BFF. BFF or something yeah. like that. Yeah. God, and it was why? about finding friends. You know what? I know. No apologies to Bumble's <laughs> PR people because we just like had recall of right. two sub businesses. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Your experience, just even just hearing how energizing it was to you to like engage in the process and then the way that people have responded to it really just makes me be like, okay, this struck a chord in a way that indicates people want this. There's a need for it. People aren't weirded out by it. Like there's a desire to engage in this really like deliberate way. And also obviously like after the last 18 months, people are like, I want to, I want to make new friends and and do it in a way that that's not a waste of my time. People are reprioritizing. Yeah. And it's so funny. I actually went on Bumble BFF like oh, right, a number yeah. of years ago when I first moved to LA. And it is, it was, it was an online dating app for friends. And I think mm-hmm. the, the struggle here, and I'm sure lots of people found amazing friends on Bumble BFF was like the same of online dating, right? Like you can sort of, people can swipe or like not be super invested or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So and that's fine. Yeah, I think there is a yearning for it. And then also there's a yearning for like doing it deliberately and doing it, you know, yeah. Related, but sort of the opposite of the deliberate part here. There was this story, I think it was in the New York Times about this. Somebody went on TikTok because they'd overheard a bunch of, they'd overheard some people planning a party and being like, we cannot invite so-and-so and we can't let her find out about it. And let's say her name was Rachel. I can't remember. And somebody went on TikTok and is like, if your name is Rachel, you need new friends and I will be your friend because your friends are assholes. And this eventually got back to Rachel and Rachel was like, I'm looking for new friends and basically hosted a huge meetup in Central Park tons of people came to find new friends and to like be friends with her and has started this sort of like online and in real life community of people who are just like, yeah, I just want good friends. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's quite charming. The other thing, what you were saying about your husband and how he started the like conversations and just like jump straight in, no pleasantries. I haven't listened yet, but there's this podcast called Paired by the People that's all like setups and Delia Kai, who was a guest on the podcast previously, wrote about the founder of or the, co- the host of it for Vanity Fair. But she spends a lot of time talking about the questions that we ask each other and the ways that we like engage in order to really connect with people that I think, I don't know, could be really interesting to anybody who's seeking new friends or partners. It just like it really like feels like it cuts to the chase. Speaking of cutting to the chase. Can we conclude based on what you've told us so far that this, the search is still on for the friend, for the deep and meaningful friend? <laughs> you know, I, I am like, 
in conversations and hanging out with at least two people. I view friendship as sort of like a, this is also from Shasta Nelson's work, sort of like a pipeline. Like what I love most is like the deepest, like most committed form of friendship where we like know each other super well and all of those things. But like, you only get that way from like starting out as sort of friendly acquaintances. You have to move through all the levels. So I am, I have been hanging out with some people and we will see where that goes. And I'm feeling hopeful, but I also feel like if it takes a couple of years to find my friends, that feels totally worth it. So. Well, I hope you'll keep us posted. You also, you started advertising with us in the classifieds because of your job, right? Will you tell people Mm -hmm. what that is and where they can find you? Because I yeah. think a lot of people are going to be like, I want more from this person. I'm going to have this for sure. Thank you so much. Give yeah, me more so, of this Katie yeah. Seaver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I started advertising because I'm a life coach and mm-hmm. I help people figure out what they want from their lives, both on the outside in terms of career and all those things. And also just like how to feel how you want to feel in your life and feel mm-hmm. your life is in alignment with your values. So yeah, my name is Katie Seaver and katieseaver.com is my website mm-hmm. or I'm this is Katie Seaver on Instagram. And I write about, actually write about friendship and I write about a bunch of other things. And you have a newsletter, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sign up. So people need to go to the website, S-E-A-V-E-R, katieseaver.com and sign up for the newsletter. Yeah, thank you guys mm-hmm. so much. And if you see any, if you know anyone in Northeast LA, who wants to read my Google Doc, send oh it their way. Yeah, Please. send Absolutely. them this podcast, send them the yeah. Google Doc. They're going to be in. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're casting a far and a, a wide net, a wide net for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much to Con Air for sponsoring today's episode. I have to say, when I sat down and thought about it, I think, Erica, that Conair is like one of my longest running brand relationships. Really? Like I just, I had a Conair hairdryer in high school or probably honestly junior high Middle school. Yeah. Yeah. And Conair like brushes and stuff like that. It's just like this brand that I've always felt good about. And then as you know, when I entered the curling wand chapter of my life, I very quickly zeroed in on the fact that nobody makes a better curling wand than Conair. So you I'm, really zeroed in. I've, I've heard you <laughs> rave about that curling wand for years now. I, it's truly the best. And so they obviously know how to make a good heat tool. And I am so excited that now they're making a waiver. I am like, I'm all about a wave. I'm all about loosening up my curl a little bit. And I trust Conair to do it. It feels like like the right amount of chill, you know, it's like, yes. it's still polished, but there's like, it's a little more relaxed, which is what you and I both aspire to be. That's exactly right. If you want big, beautiful, wavy hair and who doesn't, the Con Air double ceramic waver has three barrels for deep, continuous waves. Plus the double ceramic technology provides even and consistent heat, fast styling and long lasting waves. With instant heat up, 30 heat settings for every hair type, important. You and I have very different hair types Mm -hmm. and a turbo heat boost for those difficult to style spots. It's easy to get the waves you crave. The wide range of heat options allows you to customize styling for amazing results for full flowing waves done easily at home, no salon appointment required. And also it has an auto off switch because that is very important. The did I forget to turn it off anxiety attack is real. Get your waiver delivered to your door. Ordering this hair essential for beautiful bombshell waves is easy. To order, just go to conair.com and search waiver. That's conair.com search waiver. 
Thank you so much to Projector for sponsoring today's episode. We are so excited to be partnering with them again. They, this is a product that we use like most days. I mean, I use, I really think I use it every day. I love it so much. I have every important Projector project in my bookmark tab so I can just go to it. Wow. Yeah. What, what higher compliment. And now Truly. we see more and more other people in our sort of orbit using it, which is really mm-hmm. satisfying. So a friend had reached out to us recently to be like, hey, can you give me feedback on this deck? It's like a business position deck and just like one another set of eyes on it. And then she sent the projector link and it was like, oh, like, I love that I already know how to use this tool. I love that I don't have to send you a file back and forth and like, can just like tweak your spacing or like add a word in or whatever without it just feeling like a whole thing and without it being like version seven, like being uploaded and saved. It was amazing. I was so, I was obviously happy to do it no matter what, when she sent through that, when I, when, <laughs> when she, when I was, we were like, sure, totally like send us the deck. We'll make some it comments on, on projector. No. But then when she sent the link that it was projector, I was like, oh, I'll do this right now because I'm yes. not daunted at all. And what do we do? We duplicated her existing deck, made a new one, made our comment, like made our changes directly in it. And then we're just like, here, use, use the changes we made or don't. And then made little comments. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was a it was a great experience for us. <laughs> it was a great ex- who knows if our feedback was helpful, but it helped me. Projector is a new online graphic design platform that anyone can use to design beautiful visual stories. They have a curated template library that connects you with inspiration from professional designers that you can adapt and make your own, or if you'd rather create from scratch, a no experience needed editing interface makes it fun and easy to design anything from presentations to social posts, emails, reports, and even digital zines. While simple to use, Projector also comes with tools for advanced graphic effects and is powerful enough for seasoned designers to feel at home. I got to say, it's really like one of these things where I am not a designer by any means, but I know my way around Photoshop decently. And as soon as I opened up Projector, I knew exactly what to do. And also you don't hang out in Photoshop that much, Erica, and you knew exactly what to do. That's correct. That is correct. Our favorite, favorite projector feature is the ability to collaborate on projects with other people at the same time. It is truly Google Docs for design, which is the highest praise we could dole out. If you need to get someone's eyes on something, you just share a link. You can edit live together. Like we could be on Zoom together and editing together and giving feedback in real time. Projector is making it easier for more people to connect with their audience through modern multimedia design. Whether you're running an Instagram channel for a brand, trying to launch a creative side hustle, creating a proposal deck, or looking to spruce up your own portfolio and feed, Projector can help you turn your ideas into beautiful visual stories that stand out, even without a design background. Also, it's free. Free to sign up, free to use. Give it a try today at projector.com slash a thing or two. That's projector.com slash a thing or two. Be sure to use our unique link so they know we sent you. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that help make this show possible by using our unique links and codes. It really helps and we are so grateful. So we wanted to talk also about intergenerational friendships. You really wanted to talk about intergenerational friendships. I really wanted to talk about this. I don't know. I was just thinking about it a lot and not just because of Kourtney Kardashian and Addison Rae, although that is a loose peg for this (laughs) topic. But I was just, I feel like I had like a, a number of interactions over the last couple of months that made me be like... Yes. And like intergenerational makes it see, I don't know. It's like, it's like kind of a weird way of framing it. It's like, but it makes it feel like cute, like interspecies friendships or something. (laughs) It's like friendships where there's an age gap where you're Uh not like, you Mm -hmm. know, where you wouldn't have been in the same class at school or like whatever. In in high school at the same time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But I was just thinking about the value that those friendships 
bring to my life and that I hadn't contemplated them that much um, Mm -hmm. or thought about them in that way. And it felt like worth digging into. I mean, I got to say that I... I do think Kourtney Kardashian and Addison Rae's friendship is like, to me, the most indicative of Kourtney Kardashian having an interesting personality. I know very little about Addison Rae and anything I do know, I do not like. So it's not as if I was like, oh, that's so cool that she's friends with Addison Rae. It was more like I was like, that's so interesting that she's friends with Addison Rae. I was into it conceptually. I am into it conceptually because Kourtney Kardashian is 41 and Addison Rae is 20. And there is like no self-consciousness to their relationship from what I can tell. And and again, I've, ne- I've never watched them together on the show. I just see pictures and like the occasional video on Instagram. And like, obviously these two are nothing if not like savvy and opportunistic. Oh, yeah. So we're not like discrediting <laughs> that portion of it. Yeah. But they're just like, I don't know, there is something to it. And they met because Mason Disick uh, Courtney's 10-year-old son is a fan of Addison Rae's videos. Mm-hmm. So they also like, it's not like they came to it like naturally because they're both big deal celebrities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, yep. I don't know, it does feel like the way that a mom might be friends with the cool babysitter in their way, right? right? right. Like, I don't know. It also just made me realize that this generation, like the Addison Rae generation just seems more like the cool kids of that age group just seem more open to it in general because when we started digging into other iconic intergenerational friendships. Mm -hmm. It's like Timothee Chalamet and Tilda Swinton, Mm -hmm. Harry Styles and Stevie Nicks, Mm -hmm. Harry Styles and everyone. Harry Styles and Randy Gerber. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Selena Gomez and Jennifer Aniston. Unclear if their friendship was on the rocks there for a minute. Nobody even knew about it until it was on the rocks. I mean. Yeah. I I agree with you. There there were like more than I thought. Um, The other like truly iconic one is Marty McFly and Doc Brown. Claire, that is that was just a tremendous call out for me because it really just it is just such a like prime example of two people who just seem so bonded, just seem <laughs> so bonded, have yeah. shared interests, like really get and accept one another. Mm-hmm. And like, and what does time mean to them anyway? You know, nothing. when you can travel <laughs> through time. Nothing. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. So part of what sparked some of this interest or me like thinking about it a little more was a post on the Sunday Riley beauty brand blog of all Mm -hmm. places titled why befriending people of different ages is vital in an ageist society. And I just really liked that framing of like, right, it's ageist not to be like, it's ageist to be like, oh, why? It's like, why is it weird to be friends with someone who's 10 or 15 years older than you or 10 or 15 years younger than you? Well, and I don't think people think it's weird. I think it just that it doesn't happen. I think people aren't like inclined towards it because it does require a little bit more work, right? Like, I mean, I think maybe we're getting to the place where it's like people aren't inclined toward it. But I feel like there was a time, especially when we were younger, when it was like weird, no? Well, I think, okay. I think when you're- When you were like 25, like to have a friend who's, like yeah. 40 or 50, no? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm like, when you're really young, people are like, what's going well, on then, there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things when you're really young. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I guess, you know, I unfortunately, I do think gender plays into things. So yes, if you're like, if you're like a 25-year-old woman with a friend who's a 50-year-old man, people definitely may raise an eyebrow. I think part of it is like also the difference between like mentorship and friendship because a lot of women in their 20s or or men in their 20s or whoever might have somebody in their life who really like is more of a mentor than a friend at that age difference. One of the lines from this this post that I thought was 
nice and useful was just choosing friends of different ages can help with comparison-itis. It is very easy to compare yourself and your life with someone of the same age and feel envious of what they might have. Picking friends of different ages allows you to look at the bigger picture and not compare or compete, which I do feel like kind of got to the crux of what I have found to be interesting or like beneficial, I guess, for me of having friends who are significantly older or younger, just that they are like experiencing different things. And you do, Mm -hmm. you are, you know, seeing what it's like to be like 22 now Mm -hmm. um, or 52 now and the things that you like might have forgotten or the things that you might experience. It it helps you realize life is long and changes and that like what you're going through now is not what you're going to be going through in 10 years or what you were, you know, and what happened to you 10 years ago. it, It looks so different in retrospect. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. I was thinking about a couple of friendships with people who are older than me. So Thomas has his friend, Steve, who who is now like my friend also, who is in his mid to late 50s. And when they started, they started being friends when Thomas was in college and they like worked at the same like camp, like place on campus. Like Steve was a professor and Thomas was like an, you know, student, it was like his student job. But Thomas would tell you at the time that they like were coworkers, which like, <laughs> sure, like extremely, yeah. extremely loosely. Mm-hmm. But they just formed like this real friendship that wasn't just based on circumstance and really put in a lot of effort into, you know, maintaining that when they both left Chicago and it, he's been one of those people where I would never call him a mentor, but there have been times when we've been at real junctures in our careers or in our lives or in our relationship where he has, I feel like, been the one to like be like, I'm, I need to like share advice or just like give my, my personal experience here. Um, and at some point, you know, it was like career stuff. He was like, whatever you do, don't prioritize your career over your relationship. And like, you know, did that at a dinner and it wasn't like your parents telling you and it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, and because I think there is that sense of like separation, it also feels even more valuable. I don't know, because you chose it or because of how it's being delivered. Yeah. I mean, having it not be family is definitely makes a difference. Totally. And I do think that like you were saying, it's like being able to see the ups and downs he's gone through and the like, just like what it is actually like to be in your 50s, which is like not something I have so much exposure to, right, has just given me that like more of that sense that things are not linear um, and not as cut and dry as you might assume when you're just like up in your own shit. Well, I think also people of different generations are younger or older are probably more willing to be more honest and revealing about what's actually going on versus when you're talking to somebody who is your age and you do have that comparisonitis and you're like not quite wanting to lay it all out on the table, there's tends to be like, I think, less concern about around judgment. People experience different things at different times in mm-hmm. their lives. And, you know, Thomas and I have both dealt with stuff with our parents earlier than most of our peers have. And I was talking to a friend who's like, you know, eight years older than me. Um, and she was like, all of my friends, she she was also dealing with aging parent stuff. And she was like, all of my friends are going through this. Like, this is something all of, you know, my peers are experiencing. And it like occurred to me that it was like, oh, right. It's like helpful to talk to people who about, about this, who are actually in the weeds, mm-hmm. um, who like have dealt with some of it and maybe like can commiserate as opposed to just like be empathic about it. Right. If that right. makes sense. Yeah. 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 yeah I think that it's just that sense of having older friends has also just taught me how to have younger, younger friends. How to be the older friend. Exactly, older. exactly. Yeah. And 
have also just like realized that like, duh, there's a difference between working with or like mentoring like people who are 25 versus having real interactions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, in a relationship with someone who is in her mid to late 20s that it it helps me feel like the world is like a little more full of opportunity than I, I feel like it is at 38. Right, right. Because she's got a different perspective. She's got a different perspective, for sure. Exactly. For sure. Um, and obviously all of this depends on the person and all of that. Yeah, but it's just, I don't know. It was just interesting to think of as like the way that we are so surrounded by people who have so many of the same experiences or references mm-hmm. or, you know, who've like, maybe we were assistants together or maybe we went to college together. Maybe all of these things that like how eye-opening it can be to like sort of expand beyond that. How have you made your younger friends? How have you met them? Um, I mean, it's not like I have so many, but just, I mean, I feel like it's like having random interactions and then deciding to actually like follow up on them. Like kind of what Katie was saying before Mm -hmm. of like the consistency part of being like, oh, I like you. Right. And thus I'm going to like do something about that Mm -hmm. um, instead of just being like, I liked that person and move on. I don't know. Like, you know, deciding to hang out and to like not let that thing be weird. Not let it be weird. Yeah. Not let it be weird. Key to life for sure. Totally. Totally. Should we talk about group chats? Let's. It just feels like it's become such a big part of life and like it happened really quickly. Yeah. Like, I Can I you think, can you give your history of group chats? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've been th- trying to remember a lot lately around when just like texting period happened, like when that became such a primary form of communication because it obviously existed for a while before people were using it as much as they were because for a while, text cost money. Um, and it was like, you know. Free I, texting after a certain time yeah. of day. And like, right, 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 right. Um, so it wasn't, it just was, it didn't have the the sort of primacy that it does now. But I, and I can't remember when that started to happen. Like I can remember starting to get texts from people and being like, that's weird. Um, but <laughs> I do specifically remember when group chats happened because GroupMe was this thing that I'm pretty sure was introduced at South by Southwest 2011 because there used to be this thing where like every year at South by Southwest Interactive, which is like the tech conference part of South by, there would be these like marquee apps or just like companies that would, yeah, 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 launches that would debut. And I'm pretty sure that that year it was GroupMe. And GroupMe was an app for group texting because group texting, presumably, I didn't verify, but I guess like didn't, at least didn't exist in a highly functional way on phone, mobile operating systems. And it was fine. It was good. And it was felt really novel. And I remember that we had one for of a kind um, for like that we would use, especially when we were organizing events. And then I also remember that there were some that had like truly like upwards of 50 people on them and it would just be pure chaos and party invites. And that was partially a result of it having launched at South by where like the the obvious use case is just telling everybody where the parties are. People would be like, we're at, we're at the fast company house and it's yes. like, it's like happening. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it was so hot for two seconds and then it was, but like, it's shocking to me because even then it should have been so obvious to everybody that operating systems would introduce group texting capability. And-, and then before all of that, it was just like group emails. Just everything was a group email. Which just always makes me think of that, of the toast, the Hey Ladies. Yeah. The, 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 like the original book. column. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because that just epitomized the chaos and, and dynamic of group email exchanges. But we had really active ones. Like you and I had really active group 
email exchanges. And I do accidentally surface them all the time and get so upset about it. Um, like, I'm like, oh God, I can't read this. Just because the tone, just because yeah, the Yeah, like, and what was yeah, happening yeah, yeah. in my life. And like, yes, the tone for sure. I'm like, how did anybody gather any like meaning from this, <laughs> from this thing that but I that's wrote? that's also just like the nature of surfacing any old communication. Like well, yes. not specific to group email, right? I think, yes, for sure. I mean, Gchat too. But I think there was also something where because group text didn't exist and we didn't have group DM, like group Gchat, we would treat emails like they were texts sort of. So that like- You could send like a one-liner. Yeah. Or you would respond to like three different things in the same email, but not in a structured way. And really getting, I surfaced one by accident recently where you and I and our friend Justin were making- dinner plans. And I was like, I'm glad somebody said that because I don't want to be the one to say it when last week I was the one who was like that. But I really don't feel like going out tonight or whatever it was. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, you put this in an email? Who wants to read that? (laughs) But would totally put that in a text message now. It just feels like that's the forum for that. Same content, just different medium. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And it is, I guess it's like both good and bad that group chats can't quite be like searched in the same way. The piece that the feels like for me a good peg for like when group text became like the thing that everybody was doing is Chris Black wrote for mm-hmm. uh, for GQ in 2018 the group chat saved my life. Mm-hmm. It was um, a really good piece. It's a really good piece. We'll mm-hmm. link to it. And he was going through a divorce and uh, had just moved to LA. And so this is like a little like snippet. My introduction to group chats included myself and four male friends. Three of us had been through breakups recently, and I think in some way, subconsciously, we all needed a place to congregate. It never got overly serious or emotional, but that constant conversation about mostly trivial things, sneakers, food, rap music, memes, etc., could keep me occupied and allow my mind to drift to a happier and less serious place. I remember when this came out feeling like it was a little late or like just being like, wow, you held out that long. But I do think there was a bit of a turning point where there was a while that group text existed. Like I feel like probably 2014 group text existed, but people weren't using them in the constant, they weren't creating the constant thrum that they are now, if that makes sense. Like you were using them to communicate around specific stuff. Whereas now it's truly like an ongoing chat room that people are dropping in. It's just like one long conversation. Yeah. Um, And I, yeah, I just like don't know that that part was happening until like, until somewhat more years ago or whatever. Yeah. And then obviously with with the pandemic, it became uh, just a, a whole new level. Yeah. Well, and it's like partially because we all did feel the need, especially, you know, March, April, May 2020 to be in constant communication Mm -hmm. and to share information and news and feelings and like those things. And there was just some sense of, okay, there's some togetherness in this. It's not Mm -hmm. just like you with one other person or like you, like people didn't feel like solo, you know, they felt like part of some group. Yeah. I think it's in those early days, especially it was so grounding. And then it very quickly also got incredibly overwhelming. <laughs> it was just constant. And I I remember one friend of ours who lives in LA talking about how overwhelming it was, like all, how like she loves her group chats, but it's a lot. And I just got back from spending three weeks in LA, which is like the closest I'll ever get to like the feeling of living in LA. And I was like, oh my God, it's a totally different experience when you drive places. Like, right, 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 it really, right, right, right. And also having a kid changed my dynamic, my like relationship to group text too. Cause again, like can't just be like, you know, responding so quickly all the time, but it did make me hyper conscious of like, wow, 
your lifestyle, like where you live, what your job is. I mean, I have another friend who's a nurse and works night shifts. Like her relationship to the group text is so different. And it is this thing where you like have to figure out like, I'm either going to just like completely drop out altogether or I'm going to try to catch up later and respond to all of these things individually. It's like, you've got to just pick a lane basically. Well, and like navigating it, it, that part is really hard and even like, which chat do I send this to? Mm-hmm. Um, like, is it multiple? Is it like, what, you know, how am I dealing with this? Is it a mm-hmm. subgroup of this group? Like, right. I don't know, like that whole thing. Yeah. What you were saying before about, do I catch up later? Or like, how am I dealing with this? I used to hate the like threads. Oh um, my gosh. Like, I chat immediately threads. loved them. I I was just like, what is this dumb feature? And now it's like, of course it's useful. Like, of course. Oh I also gosh. just like don't like how it looks, I think is part of it. It doesn't look great. It, it looks chaotic, but like, God bless Tim Cook. I, it truly, I was just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I do, I am one of those people who like feels the need to like acknowledge or, and and, can't, <laughs> and I feel bad just ignoring something. I feel like I need to, you know, give it a thumbs up or whatever. And I don't even, I don't like the little emoji reactions all that much. I've gotten more comfortable with them as one does when something is just being used so much. But I really find the thread reply to be, um, to be incredibly helpful. I love it. The like emoji responses or whatever. I don't even know what that, like how, it's a reaction. It's a reaction. Oh, right. Reactions. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. At first I was like, God, these are just so deeply dorky, just like so deeply dorky. And now of course they're just like such a part of our lives. And I find myself taken with the exclamation point one. It's the Um, one that I have no idea what it means. Are you just saying, wow? Are you just saying, I agree? It's It's like emphasis. Like, yeah. Like, can we, like, can we, can we pause for a moment? You don't know what, you don't know what that means? Or to that me, doesn't it land the for most you? abstract. I've used it, but I, ne- like, to, I mean, of course, none of them mean anything in particular, but to me, it means like emphasis, like bolding, like, whoa, I, my jaw dropped when I read that thing. So yes, that is what it means to me when I use that emoji in the traditional sense. When you are... <laughs> emphasizing something somebody already said. I just, I guess that is the most obvious interpretation of it. I don't think that's the way everybody uses it. I don't, I don't, I don't know how everybody uses any, like there's no how everybody uses anything with this stuff, which is so fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, because there's like no guidebook. Like there was a, uh, maybe it was Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, I can't remember. There was something on emoji use in like a work context. Mm. And like basically- a 20-something-year-old new employee who joined the team and everybody greeted her with like smile, like smiley face emoji. And she basically was like, I thought they were like trolling me because like <laughs> no one I know would ever use a smiley face emoji. It's like so like fucked. Um, I mean, I yeah. definitely felt a little patronized when people first started using the reactions on me. I'd be like, oh, you couldn't even respond to that thing. You just gave it a heart thing. And now I'm fine with it. I also, I almost feel like it's like a, it's like a non-automated read receipt, read receipt, whatever they're called, where it's yeah. like you're being like, I saw this. I'm hearting it to let you know I saw it or like yes. I'm giving it. A yes, 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 yes. I've, I've become accustomed to it. I'm still don't always entirely know what they mean. The one I've never used, but that somebody started using on me recently was the question mark. And they started using it as a way of being like, hello, you never answered this question. <laughs> what? <laughs> like question marking their own <laughs> text. Oh, like to resurface it. Yeah. Like uh-huh. putting, bring like, it to the, hey, hey. bringing it to the top of your uh-huh. inbox. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I I don't think I've encountered that one in the wild before. 
fascinating. The other wonderful thing that they introduced for group texts at some point is the ability to name them, which, thank God, makes it so much easier. It just also makes them feel really official. Like, mm-hmm. I was thinking, how did how did like friend groups get names before? How did they feel official? And when I was in high school, a group of friends for like our senior trip went to Wisconsin Dells and we got airbrushed flamingo t-shirts and started calling ourselves the flamingos. And mm-hmm. this feels like the equivalent of well, that that's now. Well, that is the one thing I, I struggle with. It feels both official and incredibly juvenile because now all of my friend groups have names, <laughs> which yeah. has not happened since 2002. And even yeah. then, I think I was pretty resistant to it. I feel like I was the one who was like, that is so lame. We are not doing that. But were um, you, the names, the like for, were they built on the first letters of your names or no? Uh, there was <laughs> one, the most infamous one at my high school, the Bajerkles. Brand, <laughs> like, <that. laughs> Say it again. Bajerkles. I can't remember who the J was. Oh, Brandy, Jamie, Christy. I don't, I, that's like where, it, there where were I stopped. no vowels. No, how, it was the Bajerkles. How early to the pre-vowel movement they were. Wow. Um, yeah, um, iconic, okay. iconic. And then there was S7. And I was just like, this is, I was like, I am above this. And yet now I have like four named friend groups. And I have splinter named friend groups because maybe somebody moved and it's like you have one that's more about like logistics to meet up for dinner or whatever. So you have like such and such East or such and such like, you know, the Atlantic version. Yep. 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 No, listen. Which feels like a very life stage thing. Like when you're in high school, that probably doesn't happen so much. And then once you like move, you're like, oh, now, you know, once you get old enough that people are moving around, that's, that's a, that's a milestone where you have your splinter friend, your splinter group chats. Well, and I also just feel like this, like I do use these, the names of the group chats in calendar invites, like to myself, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. on my own, like whatever, um, of just like, this is like how I communicate to myself, like who's involved. It's like this group chat, which is like so weird. I mean, it's true. It's like, it is very juvenile. I, I, the other like group chat thing that I, I struggle with now is to get back, especially this idea of it being like a constant thrum is that missing things, basically. Like we're right now in a two hour long podcast recording. Who knows how many missed chats we're going to have when we emerge from this thing. And every once in a while, it's like somebody shares something really serious, like an illness or a promotion, like something good or bad. And then by the time you get to the thing, people have moved on. And I feel guilt for having not been there, even though obviously like no one's upset with me that I wasn't staring at my phone the whole time. But I struggle with that like needing to sort of like respond to the stuff. And I especially struggle with it when I go on vacation. Whereas like, you know, when you like, it used to be that when you went on vacation, your friends kind of like, you didn't hear from your friends because they knew you were on vacation. And now it's like, you don't get that break really. Like you're constantly sort of hearing all of it. No, a hundred percent. It's like that. Remember back in like 2011 when we had a a totally useless idea for a business called Twitteroo, Mm -hmm. which was Twitter out of office. Yeah. Uh Um, And it was because like, the internet doesn't know you're on vacation unless you tell them, which some people do. But like, so there just becomes this like flood of information that cannot be stopped. um, Even if the people like who are actually, yeah. Anyway, anyway. I never quite know how I want to deal with it when I'm on vacation. Usually I just, I'm like, I'm just not going to respond and people are going to know that I'm just kind of like tuning out my phone right now. But then I'm like, but they know I can see this. Like, (laughs) and do I I need a vacation from my friends who, you know, or, or do I just need a vacation from work? Or do you just need a vacation from your phone? That too, you know? I mean, that's the thing. Um, Friendship. Friendship. Mm -hmm. Always Um, evolving. Always evolving. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the show. 
This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so, so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us to make this podcast happen, especially our outstanding producer, Brian Peoples. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com. If you love our show, consider supporting it by signing up for Secret Menu at, you guessed it, a thing or two HQ.com.